welcome you. My name is Stacy. I'm one of the pastors here at Connect. I am Pastor Derek's wife, for those of you who don't know me. And um, I am so glad that you're here today because we have such an awesome, uh, we had an awesome time first service this morning. I w- so we want to welcome you if you're new here um, or if you're old here or if you're young here or all ages. And I want to welcome our online campus. Can we give it up for our online campus? We have people watching all over. So we want to welcome them as well. And this morning, we're going to continue our series on the money tree. So I think there's no better time than Christmas to talk about money because don't you feel like it's like, oh my gosh, it's like money going everywhere. Um, Well, we're going to talk a little bit about a biblical perspective today on money, as well as some practical steps that um, you you want to take with your money. Um, But before we do that, um, I'm going to get to the panel in just a minute, as you can see here. I'll introduce our panel first, but we have Pastor Devin here on the end, which we all know. You want to give away? Um, And then we have Mike Tomiolo, which he is one of our, Mikey T, he's one of our board members for Metro West Ministries. Um, He's also a businessman, an entrepreneur. He owns his own business, just opened his own business. How many? Five months ago. Um, A sushi place. Those of you like to, oh, oh, ah, there we go. Um, And he's also led our Financial Peace University, so he's walked many people through getting um, freedom in their finances. So, He's an awesome guy to talk to if you need some help with that. They are all, are all awesome, just so you know. And then we have PMAC. I call him PMAC Dizzle Dazzle, but nobody else can call him that. I'm the only one that can. And um, we have Pastor Jerry. So this is our panel this afternoon or this morning still. Um, but before we get to the panel, I'm going to just give you a little backdrop on um, what we're talking about today. And a lot of times people come into a money series with kind of a, a skewed perspective. So it might be because of different, um, how their money was used or abused even at different places, or it could be just because they're coming in and they're thinking, okay, how do I get more money at the end of my month than, that, than I have month at the end of my money? So, um, but I want to tell you, I can't, personally, I can't talk about money without talking about mine and my husband's biggest safety net, and that is our tithe. So we're going to talk a little bit about tithes today. Um, But in our world today, it is so important that you do have a safety net. We're all um, encouraged to get different kinds of insurances. We're all required to get health insurance. Um, There's home insurance and liability and disability and pet and traveler and all kinds of different insurances. And did you know that there is something called reinsurance? And that's for the insurance companies to have insurance. So when something goes wrong, they got to have insurance. So that's called reinsurance. It was something new I learned. Um, But I want to tell you about the best, most comprehensive kind of insurance that you can have on your life. Not just your finances, not just your health, not just your home, but on your whole life. And that is the tithe. So I want to read to you two different verses. The first one is Matthew 6.21. And it says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In the Amplified Version, it says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be, your desires, your wishes, and anything that your life centers around, that's where your heart will be. So I want to make sure that my Heavenly Father knows that my heart is with Him. Not my heart is with, not with my finances, so I'm going to give my tithe to Him so that He can take care of everything else. And let me prove that, that He does take care of everything else when you tithe, just because looking at this verse, Malachi 3 Verses 10 and 11, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven so much that you cannot store it. There will not be enough room to store it. Now, when God is saying, test me and see if I don't open the floodgates, it's not like when I would say that to my own kids. When I say, test me, 
It's like, test me, it's about to get ugly, you know? Test me and see if I don't call the cops, son. Legit story, but that's for a different time. Test me and see if I don't get my rear end in the car after curfew when you're not home and go find you. Test me, you know? That's not what God is saying. He's actually saying, as, as Mike said in the earlier service, he's saying, test me, trust me. Test me and see if I honestly will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. It's a good testing. And he's asking us. And there were some times when I would say that to my kids, I was like begging them. Like, I, I really want to show you that I'm really going to do this. I had a different attitude than the Lord has, obviously. But it's so true. God will, he wants us to test him because he wants to show how good he is. Um, the second part of that verse says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. In the King James, King James Version, it says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he will not destroy the fruits of your ground. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord God Almighty. So I will rebuke the devourer. Insects, pests, and plagues, nothing gets wasted. So how many of you have ever been apple picking? Okay, a lot more of you need to go apple picking. We live in New England, people. Come on, go apple picking. Um, but if you've ever gone apple picking... You, when you go, you're not going to go and first look on the ground and say, hey, is there any good fruit that I can pick off off the ground? No, because once it hits the ground, the apple field harvesters, farmer people, they would tell you any kind of fruit on the ground is just wasted. That's like their livelihood. They hate to see fruit on the ground because it's wasted. Nobody will use it. But in this verse, the Lord says, I won't even let your dropped fruit go to waste when you're a tither. When you give me, when you're living under the blessing, I will give you, I will, I will provide everything you need. And when you, when you tithe, it's not just that you get the blessing in your finances. And we're gonna, you're going to hear a little bit about this this morning with all these gentlemen back here. But you, you not only get blessing in your, in your finances, but you get it in protection and provision and your health and your favor and peace of mind and confidence before God. You can go to God and say, okay, Lord, you said you would rebuke the devourer then can you rebuke the devourer in this circumstance, in this situation, in something that looks like it's just dropped fruit that might go to waste or that how is something good going to come out of it? When you're a tither, you can go with confidence before God, and he says, I'll take care of it. I'll make nothing. I'll let nothing go to waste. So um, we look at the tithe as almost like our whole life insurance, not just life insurance, not just life death like I'm living, but we look at it as like, all day, every day, everything kind of insurance. Because he covers everything. And he says that he will pour out blessings so much that we cannot contain it. And so we're going to talk a little bit about um, the, the topic of tithe with our pastors here on staff. So I want to first talk, I want to first ask um, Pastor Jerry, if we'll start out with you. And can you just talk a little bit about um, why the tithe is important to Christians? And like what, you know, some people... Now, these questions are, just so you know, questions that we've gotten, the most common questions that we get as pastors or as, like, financial counselors. Um, and so we're going to answer these, the most common questions that we get. So kind of what is the tithe? Why is it important? And, like, it's in the Old Testament, so do we still have to do it? And while you're answering, I'm going to back up. Excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, generally think when we think of the tithe, we think of the Old Testament because that's where it's talked about most specifically. And it was interesting that it, we think about it as being a tithe, but the Israelites that were actually commanded by God, I think they had 14 tithes they had to honor, and it was like 20, 25% of their, of their income, basically. Um, and so when Jesus, um, when you get to the New Testament, and Jesus is actually teaching about um, a lot of the laws in the Old Testament, in Matthew chapter 5 and 6, which is where he does the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer, 
he, um, he references about five or six different Old Testament commandments. And he basically says, the Old Testament says, the law says do this, and I say do this. And he takes every one of them to a whole new level. Um, and what he does is he says it's the Old Testament focus on a lot of those commands was about performance to a standard. What I'm really going after is the engagement of your heart. Yeah, and um, because it's, and that's what I really, really want. And at the end of the Beatitudes, in that kind of the famous sermon of Jesus, he gets to talk about finances. And so he kind of ends it with this um, talking about giving and talking about where your treasure is. And that's where the, the passage is, where your treasure is, your heart is. And what he really is saying is, so look, the, the tithing principle is a, is a really good principle, but it's more important where your heart is. And the... In the in kind of the in Jesus paradigm, as he wants to engage our heart, the tithe ends up being not for not for God because he doesn't need our money. Um, it becomes for us, and it releases it releases for us. It's an indicator of where our heart is. So always look at it from this perspective. So if the tithe isn't a burden to to give to the Lord, what it really is instead is it's a it's a blessing. And it actually releases blessing in my life because it's like this indicator of where my heart is, where my, where my treasure is, my heart is. I think we tend to actually think about where our heart is, we give our money. And Jesus actually says it's the opposite. It's where you put your money, which is an indicator of where your heart is. So if I'm not first giving my resources to the Lord freely, then I'm going, oh, I might, if I can't do that, like, easily, then I might have a problem in reference to where my heart is with God. So it becomes like in the dashboard of my life, um, me tithing, if I ever struggle in that, to me it's like this big blinking light on my dashboard saying, Jerry, you have a heart problem. Jerry, you have a heart problem in relationship with God. Um, You're having trouble trusting him because if you can't trust him in your money, your heart's not going to follow. And um, so I think the Lord gave us the tithe um, as as a blessing for us so we have some kind of benchmark and indicator of where our heart condition is, um, and whether we're pursuing Him or pursuing things of this of this world, and then the then when we do that, when we are hearts in the right place with Him, it just releases all kinds of blessing in our life. And God says, "Look, right. you seek first My kingdom, and I take care of all these other things in your life." And so we'll you'll hear from us today, like some of the various ways in which we've all experienced incredible blessing in our lives because of the fact that we tithe. But it's not the tithe that does it. It's the fact that our heart is submitted fully and wholly to the Lord. And the tithe is just like this major indicator and like practice of that. And so anyway, I think that's the power of the tithe in our life. And while it's just so, um, it has, it releases such incredible blessing. That's so true. So what, it, does it matter when we tithe? Pastor Devin. Uh, short answer would be, I believe Yes. And then uh, first, first, let me just break down something for all that maybe are unfamiliar with the concept of a tithe. Uh, I heard this story as I was reading it, and I just thought it was a perfect, uh, beautiful picture of what the tithe is. So uh, anybody familiar with the American Red Cross in the room? Come on, I need some participation. And so uh, I remember reading this article that American Red Cross, when they receive blood donations, first of all, the human body has about 10 pints of blood in it at any given time. And what they'll do is they'll take a pint of blood, a tenth of your blood, and they'll take it and then they'll use it to make a difference in somebody else's life. And so what they say is in about two to three weeks time, your body can actually replenish the blood that you lost and it can kind of naturally or some people would say supernaturally be restored. Now, let me translate it to a tithe. 
when you give your tithe and you bring it to a storehouse, like uh, I believe uh, we'll talk about in a, in a little bit, the church, the local church, uh, you are not only uh, giving that and, and donating that one out of obedience to God, but also you're making a difference in the lives of so many people around you. Yes. And I'm telling you, there's a supernatural occurrence that takes place where God will just replenish that what that which which you gave. And I'm telling you, you get to make a difference and it will be replenished in the process. I wish I had somebody in this church that said amen real quick. Amen, amen. That was really good. Okay, so that being said, that's the tithe. It's just a beautiful picture of what the tithe is. Now, when do you tithe was the question. Well, something you need to know and understand about the nature of our God. First of all, I think here are three things that most people don't know about God. Number one, God can't think. He cannot think. So there's this term, this, this theological term called omniscience. Everybody say omniscience. Omniscience. So he can't think. He doesn't have this, I had an idea. That, that's not God. He doesn't do that. We have that idea, but God knows all things. That's what omniscience means. The second thing is, is God can't change. His nature, his personality, who he is does not change. Now, his mind can change, which is a different sermon for a different time. But he does not change. So he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The last thing that I think most people don't understand about God is he cannot be second. So there's this word, this theological term called preeminence. He cannot be second. Now, all the competitive people in the room say amen. Amen. So, uh, I mean, I wish that spirit was upon me, but sometimes we take some losses, especially in basketball. I'm really frustrated about it. Different, different, different day. Um, but God cannot be second. And so what I think a lot of times uh, what people don't understand is when it comes to giving the tithe, uh, God doesn't necessarily want tips. He's, he's not a tip God. We're not right. supposed to tip him. We're supposed to tithe to him in obedience to what he's already done. So the tithe in the New Testament is basically just a response of what God has done in your life. You don't have to tithe. We get to tithe. It's a different level. And so what ultimately Scripture communicates is uh, if you're not tithing and being obedient to what God says in the Scriptures, uh, you're not only robbing from him, but you're robbing uh, from him of him blessing you in your finances. Yeah, that's so true. I don't know if that went over your heads, but there was some really good stuff in that. <laughs> so ultimately, I tithe out of obedience, but also because I want God's protection and favor in Malachi chapter 3. Mom read it. Uh, the windows of heaven will be opened up to you. Right. And God literally says, test, try me, bro. That's what he says, my context, my translation. That's how he talks to him. Yeah, <laughs> try me, bro. He says, try me, y'all, when he talks to me. <laughs> um, so you, so it's first fruits. Um, you talk a little bit about like first fruits and it's a matter of your heart. Yeah, totally. So it's a matter of your heart. There it is right there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to get you guys loose. Y'all seem a little uptight right now. Uh, so it's really a matter of the heart. So practically speaking, it doesn't necessarily mean if you are, you forgot to tithe the first transaction, uh, and God's upset at you. That's not the case. God right. is not a legalistic God. Uh, however, uh, it's not necessarily a financial transaction as much as it is a worship transaction. You are yeah, giving of your finances, and like Pastor Jerry said, uh, you know, your, the treasure, where your heart is, your treasure is. Uh, or maybe I flipped it. But you all know what I'm saying. So basically it's, you know, you're giving God the tithe first, and he is the first fruit. It's the first bite uh, of your finances, and you're just saying, yeah. God, I trust you. That's what it is. That's so good. So we talked about what the tithe is. We talked about when we give it. So, uh, Mike, I want to ask you this. Um, where do we give our tithe? Talk about a little bit, like, what it means in the verse that says, you know, the storehouse. Bring it to the storehouse. Yeah, so in uh, Malachi 3, I mean, uh, first of all, like, a lot of people, like Stacey said, I did uh, teach FPU here for a long time. So a lot of the principles I take are also part of Dave Ramsey's principles, which are all from the Bible. Um, the point I make here, number one, is that, yeah, bringing it to the local storehouse, I think a lot of times people think, okay, I'll make the decision to tithe, 
and then they, 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 so they trust God that far, but then they, tr they go back on their own, uh, you know, will of how I'm going to put it, where I'm going to put it. They don't release complete trust over to him, saying, it says there, into the local storehouse, or translation, the local church. Now, we always preface it here, if this is not your local church, then if you're thinking about tithing, this is not the place you should be tithing to. But if you call this your local church, yeah. and you make that decision to not, he said, test me in this. He's really, I think you said earlier, Stacey, trust me in this. He's not saying, I'm going to make your life worse. He's like, watch how I make your life so much better. Yeah. Just, and so that's really, he's saying, test me on this. I think, so it's, it's turning the corner. I think when we read things, we read them with our own, like, uh, we have, like, like we're like this, kind of throwing up the Heisman to everything. I think we need to release trust over to God, tie it to the local storehouse, and see how it blesses you. I mean, I'm going to talk in a little while how it blesses me, but it's really a, a trust factor of your finances. You trust him with your salvation. You trust him with your relationships. Do you trust him with your finances is the question. That's so good. And even just like Mike said, you know, if, if this is not your local church, don't tithe here. Go to wherever your local church is, that's where you need to tithe. Wherever you're getting fed, that's where you need to tithe. And um, in the Bible, when the children of Israel were building the temple, actually Moses had to say, stop bringing your tithes and offerings. So we're not there yet, not saying that, because we, we, we still need your tithes and offerings because we want to do so much more for the kingdom of God. It's not for the pastors on staff. We're not getting your money. We're getting, we're getting your money to be able to funnel it to other people, to communities, to our new campuses, to um, meeting the needs of people. So your tithe is going for furthering the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. So um, we, we were talking about, um, like, he's, like Moses said, you know, don't bring your tithes and offerings anymore. What's the difference between a tithe and an offering? So how about Pastor Mark? Can you answer the difference between that? Yeah, tithes and offerings. So it's both referred to and oftentimes at the same time, like back to back, the tithes and offerings. So what's the tithe? The tithe is our 10% and offerings are something above that. And, and sometimes I, I find for myself that, that it's giving above a tithe is when there's a shift that takes place in my heart. That's if the, if the tithe is out of obedience, the offerings are out of this, like this abundant overflow. Mm -hmm. And I can oftentimes use that for uh, touching areas of passion that I have locally or in other places of the world. And, um, and what I find is sometimes it's just there is an extra piece of joy that somehow ends up like permeating my soul when I get to give beyond my tithe. Mm -hmm. And it, cause it, because, because it's not about, out of obedience that I'm doing that. It's just out of the joy of giving. Uh, God tells us to be generous givers. And that's, what, that's really what the, the um, offerings end up being then. That's good. Um, I was going to say there's been times where, um, so my husband and I have been tithers our whole lives. Um, and there's times when we would need something, we would need some blessing back in our lives regarding our finances. And so we would say, okay, you know what? We need this. We need the Lord to answer this prayer. So let's invest. Let's invest. Let's plant some serious seed. And that was our offering. That was over and above our tithe because our tithe was just kind of like I said, our all day, every day insurance. Um, but our offering was, we would say, we need something great we need some kind of great blessing, so we're going to invest our offering into this area of what, whatever, um, like Pastor Mark said, you know, it might be local, something national, international, whatever, but you can give offering, your, your offering is over and above your tithe. Um, so let's, let's, I want to do a rapid fire real quick. So you each have 20 seconds 
Everybody say, I have 20 seconds. Okay. They did, they did great the first time. Um, but how have you seen the blessings in your life just because of your tithe? I guess I'll go first. Um, so I had, the, I had the privilege of having parents teach me to tithe when I was like a wee lad. And um, so um, one of the blessings I think in, in, in my life has been that I learned the principle early on that I was a steward of God's stuff. I wasn't owning my stuff. And as a result... Um, God just took care of our stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we never had anything like major breakdowns and blowups on our stuff that we were all of a sudden like, oh no, we don't know how we're going to solve it. It's just like God took care of things. Um, and it wasn't that things sometimes weren't financially tight or there weren't struggles, but we were never without God's permission, pr- provision. Mm-hmm. And so I look back on that and go, wow, that's just, um, an incredible kind of like, I don't know, steadfast thing in our lives where we just can totally trust God for his provision because he's always done that. And I think that's a direct result of us trusting God um, through the tithe. That's good. And for, uh, for myself, for Julie and I, we didn't grow up in tithing households. Um, we started tithing once we got married. We actually went through a period of tithing, and then we stopped because we started having kids. We got freaked out about it, and then we started tithing again. And, um, but what have, what have I seen through the trajectory of this time? Um, um, there's just been – there's – God's blessings are not all about money. What are, we, have five ki- we have five kids. That's awesome. They're incredibly healthy. Our things last a long time. My wife's car has almost a quarter million miles on it, and it looks like it's five years old. It's amazing. It just keeps going and keeps going. We've had appliances that just keep going. Um, we have five kids. Two of the, the oldest two are out of college now, went to very expensive colleges. How? I don't know. It's only because God made it happen. They didn't graduate with mountains of debt, nor did we pay a lot of money, but God just made it work. And so that's what I see with tithing is that God just takes care of things and blesses us in all sorts of facets. And I would make a mistake to say, I'm expecting checks in the mail, God. It's like, no, he's blessing our lives. I I would say basically um, wrapped up perspective first, but peace most importantly. I think people like, uh, you know, like Pastor Mark was saying, or we were even saying earlier about if I'm tithing, things are going to just come to me. I think we don't know how we need to be blessed. God knows. That's so good, Mike. And I think when we when we sow finances, we think it's going to come back in the term in the way of finance. Like it can be in health, it can be in stuff lasting longer. It can be, I sum it up in one word: peace. And peace can be in every area of your life. And I believe by tithing for me personally, it has put peace in my life. That's good. That's so great. Yeah, I mean, I just think health. Uh, my wife and I became homeowners this year. That was a supernatural occurrence. I have no idea how it happened, but uh, I think it's just a result of the tithe. We have a baby boy who's so strong and healthy, super joyful. Uh, we just love life. We really enjoy life. And uh, I, don't know, I think I think a result of the tithe was I have a Brazilian goddess as a wife. So, yeah. <laughs> Definitely because of the tithe. Because of the tithe. Gentlemen. And lots of mom's prayers. Um, <laughs> not that I... Whatever. Or the tithe. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it's very interesting having mother-son up on a panel, you know. Um, but I, for me, I think um, just... Like, there's so much blessing that I cannot contain. You know, I really can't contain the blessing that God's put in our lives, and it's not just financial. Like they said, all the other things. There were times where we would pray over, you know, my car to start because I was like, Lord, you said you'd rebuke the devourer, and I need you to rebuke the devourer and, like, make this engine start up, you know, and and literally would lay my hands on my car, and it would start, not lying. I mean, time and time again, lay hands on my car. 
my dishwasher. I mean, like the handle's been broken for like two years, but it still works. And the, you have to have the handle to actually make it click in to work. So um, in financial peace, I think they do that. It is like you go through and you list your, um, all your different things that you have, material things, and you give it to the Lord. So then you can say, you can honestly say before God, Lord, you said you'd be the devourer. Take care of this for me in Jesus' name. And then it's putting your trust in him. So let's move on to um, a little bit about marriage and money um, because, you know, um, money creates stress. It's one of the top stressors in marriage. Uh, marriage is, has some stress by itself, but when you add money or financial difficulties, it brings a whole another level. So, um, Pastor Mark, what, what do I do if, this is something that's so huge in a lot of couples, but what do I do if my spouse and I are not on the same page on tithing? Yeah, it's so easy for that to happen, isn't it? Um, when I look at struggles in marriage, I see like two primary categories where there are problems. One has to do with selfishness, and James 3.16 talks about that. And selfishness causes disorder and evil things to happen. And so, and then lack of communication. And so if we, within a marriage, if we have rugged communication how can we tackle the biggest thing, which is oftentimes finances? It's really hard. And so, we have to, and so we have to work on our communication so that we can talk about the bigger things. And, and so when we have this big thing sitting there of, we, let's suppose, and so the practical implementation of tithing is going to be different for different couples depending upon are one or both believers or not. So let's suppose we have a couple where both are believers and they're not tithing. I think what that couple needs to do is start by saying, uh, foundationally, from Scripture, do we understand that we're called to tithe or not? And work on that. And talk about, do they have a desire to be obedient to God in this area? Um, and, and so then, like, how are we going to do this thing? And maybe that couple needs to sit down with one of the, we have some awesome financial planners here in our church who can really provide good counseling. Sit down, okay, how do we make this happen? How do we implement this? Help us to set this thing in motion for us. Now, in other couples, you may have, let's suppose you have a couple, neither were believers when they got married, then one accepts Christ and the other has not yet. So what does the believing spouse do? Um, they have a desire to tithe, but it's interesting, in Scripture, we see this principle. It starts in Genesis chapter 2, where the two will become one flesh. Jesus talks about it as it, in the Gospels as it relates to divorce. Um, Paul writes in Ephesians, when he's talking about marriage and submission and contentment, he refers to this two becoming one flesh too. So there's this principle of unity that runs from the very beginning of the Bible. And so, so within marriage, we must be pursuing unity above all other things. And, and so then if, if, if one person, if a believer does not have a believing spouse, the pursuit of unity is the most important thing for them. They need to be praying for the salvation of their spouse um, and perhaps talking to their spouse saying, listen, I'd like permission to be tithing because I think it's really important in my faith, um, but I'm not going to do it without you on board with this. And so to have a conversation, be praying for your, for your spouse's salvation. And if your spouse is saying no, then I think there's also a conversation with God about God. I need to ask you for forgiveness for the fact that I'm not being obedient in this area. You understand the situation. My spouse, I became a believer. My spouse didn't. I'm trying to navigate through this well. I want unity, Lord. And so I think it's a conversation with God. And then we have other couples where, where um, uh, we have a believer who married a non-believer. And so they came in unequally yoked. And that's uh, an issue of its own because we have somebody pursuing God and somebody who's 
who's really intentionally uh, um, rejecting him. And so that's an issue of prayer as well, too. But again, the same thing goes back to uh, the believing spouse saying, asking for permission, pursuing, pursuing unity, um, getting right with God about the relationship, um, uh, um, asking for permission, and just praying and, and praying for the salvation of the spouse. So there's this, this thing that's, um, uh, we would be out of order if we pursued tithing before we pursued unity in our marriage. And because what, we, what do we see? Um, uh, um, the power, God says ultimately, like, the power is not like one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals 50 when we have unity. That's so good. And, and like he said, um, when, if it's, when you're not on the same page, just put it to prayer. You can do so much more in the spiritual realm than you can trying to muscle somebody into getting on the same page. So, um, you know, tattle to God on your spouse. And then let him take care of it. Because, again, you can just say, I, I trust you, Lord. I trust you with our finances. And trusting him with our finances is also trusting him with our spouse and the finances. So, Devin, being someone that was kind of newly married, um, did you and Natalia have any stress in your finances when you were first new, first married? Is the Pope Catholic? Of course. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, we made some significant decisions, sacrifices. Uh, we've had... Let's see, rice and beans for one, two, three, four, <laughs> 17 and a half months now. Uh, <laughs> but all the Brazilians say, amen, come on. <laughs> Gloria a Deus. Um, <laughs> Spiritu Santo. Uh, sorry. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, we made some significant sacrifices. Uh, but we also asked just a ton of questions. And uh, we went through uh, Financial Peace University. Mike was actually our teacher. So this man is a godsend. Thank you so much. Yes. I love you. You're so handsome. Um, <laughs> so... I mean, that helped us tremendously, gave us some practical handles. Quick shout out to our financial small groups and stuff. I'm telling you, it will help you so, so much. And so that gave us a little bit of uh, handling on how to handle scarcity. Now, something on scarcity, like, uh, to be completely honest with you, like, right now, uh, we had one month in this year uh, where I got ordained as a minister, so I had spiritual responsibility that came on me. We just bought a house two weeks after that, and then our son came in to the world three weeks after that. And so I just got baptized in adulthood real quick. Okay. Exactly. And we just been, and so then Natalia left her job, um, and we just been on my salary for a little bit. How many know that's, uh, we're, we're learning how to float, not drown, right? <laughs> so that's where we're at right now. And um, can I just tell you, like, we have so much joy in the middle of scarcity sometimes. Yeah. Um, there's other times where obviously it brings us stresses, but I learned a lot in the middle of scarcity. I think when you have uh, a scarcity of resources, you learn stewardship. I think that's what happens. 100%. Is when you don't have a lot, you learn how to steward the little that you have. And what scripture says is when you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. This boy is preaching right now. Yes. Um, <laughs> you pastor dropping some knowledge. I'm just kidding. Um, but I, so I learned that just when you have scarcity, uh, you learn stewardship. And I think we just, we don't need a lot to be joyful. That's right. just what I'm learning in the middle of the season right now is I, I even wrote a few things down that, that maybe will help some people, but just when it comes to money, like money will buy you a bed, but it won't buy you sleep. Uh, money will buy you books, but it won't buy you brains. Money will buy you a house, but it won't buy you a home. Uh, money will buy you medicine, but it won't buy you health. Money can buy you a crucifix, but it can't buy you a savior. Money can buy you religion, but not salvation. Uh, money can buy you a passport to everywhere but heaven. So I just, I just like, That's good. Money, money doesn't necessarily determine and dictate whether you're going to have joy. And so in the midst of scarcity, money's not everything. And so I'm grateful that I learned that now 
because I know I'm going to be a millionaire one day. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm grateful I learned this now. And uh, maybe you're in that situation today. Uh, be thankful for what you got because, frankly, we're all stewards. We're, we're, not, we're not owners. We're managers of what God has given us. Right. That's so and good. I'm grateful I learned that now. I think um, just having two children that are young marrieds um, and seeing them go through some of the financial stresses or figuring out how to budget and plan and all that kind of stuff, Derek and I have been so thankful for the times that we went through at the same, you know, in that same age and that same stage because it does teach you how to manage your money and it teaches complete trust. So we went through, you know, a few years of completely trusting God. It's easy for us now when we have more money than we did back when we were 21, 23, you know, so, um, but when, when we were in that phase, we believed, you know, we, it was all of our money. So like whatever I made, whatever he made, it was our money. And we had one bank account, but we had two separate checkbooks. Um, and that was because we were like, it seemed like it was easier because I thought, okay, well, if I need to check and you're not here and you have the checkbook, then I can't call you and come get my check, you know? So, um, but that ended up being a logistical nightmare, having two separate checkbooks with one account. So, Pastor Jerry, can you talk to us a little bit about um, what you believe in? Like, how we, should we have one account? Should we have one checkbook? Should, tell us about that. Um, you know, on a, you know, Mark talked about the principle of when you get married, you become one flesh. And so I think the principle of oneness um, is a really incredible principle for our marriage relationships. And... I look at it and say, if, I'm, if we're going to be one flesh, then we need to be one in all areas of our lives, including our finances. And so um, I look at it and say, our, our, we need to operate as if we're one in our finances if we're married. And so I look at that and say, that means you have one, like, joint accounts on everything. There's nothing hidden from your spouse. PD likes to say, you know, from Facebook to the checkbooks, an open book. And I, I think the issue then is, you know, our, how we handle finances tells so much, not just about our relationship with God, but our, our relationship with each other in a marriage. And so I think there's, those things are like indicators of there's um, gaps in trust or, or intimacy or, man, I'm not sure I, you don't handle money. I'm not sure I trust you how to handle money, so I want to have my account. You can have yours. So I look at it and say in the pursuit of oneness, which is God's biblical model for marriage, I think we should have, as married couples, we have, you know, one bank, we have one joint access to all of our, all of our resources. And so it's not about having one, I mean, you can have multiple bank accounts, but I'm thinking joint access is about transparency and trust in a relationship. And I think that's the, that's the joy of, of living that way. And like you said earlier, Pastor Jerry, it's like an indicator. So in your marriage, if you're not willing to have joint everything, it's an indicator of a lack of trust. So that, that needs to um, be dealt with. <laughs> right. And a joint account says it's not about me. It's about we. Yes. Yep. So good. That's good. Okay, let's move on to um, another topic within money, and that is something that most everybody deals with, and that's debt. So I'm going to have Mike um, tell us a little bit about your testimony and kind of answering the question. The $100,000 question is, should I tithe when I'm even in debt? Yeah, so I'll just tell, I'll give you like a 30-second elevator pitch. My, 30 minutes, whoa, hey. 30 seconds, sorry. <laughs> Y'all stand for another 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> Quick story, so I've been going, I think this November turned 13 years that I've been coming to the church here. So at the beginning, probably like a lot of people that come through the doors, I was broken. My biggest broken area was my finances. I was about $40,000 in debt, what I should call frivolous debt. So I'm going to be 43 next week. So I was 30 years old at the time, and I just didn't see the way out. I saw myself, you know, give, uh, salvation, yes, yeah, sign me up for that. 
That was after the second week of coming here. Certain things I saw progression, but finances I was so tight with. That was my control. That was my mess. I'll handle my own mess. Fast forward about a year or so later, uh, a, a person who I came very close with, I consider one of my best friends who uh, here at the church, he kind of said, okay, I've been going through the same thing, sa same amount, kind of same dollar amount. He was right around the 40000 mark, both from same thing from just frivolous living. And he said to me, he's like, we're going to do this thing. We, don't, we didn't have uh, financial peace at that time. We didn't have budgeting things. We didn't have financial co coaches. He's like, you just, we're going to come up with this budget. And um, To me, anybody that's gone through FP with me, I always say, for me, the budget word was like an evil word. Um, it was basically just telling my money where to go so I knew where it was going. And he's like, at first, if we're going to do it this way, we're going to put the tithe on top. So at that point in time, I said, you know what? My way doesn't work anymore. I, I got to find a better way. Let's try God's way. And that's where, so right at the top, he wrote tithe first. He wouldn't even get a fill in any of the, 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 the budgeted items until the tithe, until I committed to that. I still have that, that budget in my, uh, my desk in my office just as a, a testament of the tithing that works. So in the flesh, it looked like it would take me about five plus years to get out of debt. It took me less than two years. And as I started tithing, supernatural things started happening. I can remember right at the end when I was, I, I was in sales at the time and I had a, I got a bonus for like $10,000. And I just remember that's my money. All of a sudden the me started creeping in again, but I'm like, you've come so far with the tithe, get rid of your debt. And I just got rid of my debt and I was debt free. And I believe all that was a testament to tithing, to giving up ownership, to giving up trust to God in my money. So good. Um, I feel, and, and, and I, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but so I have such peace, like I said, in my money. Like, I don't live for the, the wants. I live for the needs. I take care, you know, I look for my wife and my kids. That's what I live for. Um, business, I look to sow into people. Um, I had a couple of people, in my, and I'm not saying this to say about me, but like people, are, just because they see how I live because I'm at peace, they're like, they're asking me about church and stuff because it's all a byproduct. But the point is, the other day I was in the UPS store, um, and the woman was there bringing packages. She was, must have been sending. I didn't ask her a question. Her and I don't know if it was her husband. It probably looked like they were 50s. They were sending packages to, uh, look, I think they were Washington State. And the price was absorbent. It was like 200 and something dollars. And I can just see as each package went on the scale, her, her, she just sank and dropped. And I'm like, I've, I've been there before. I feel her weight. I feel her pain. And I just saw her sliding the credit card into that machine. And I could just, it was like, at that point, everything just stopped in the room. I could just feel the weight. It got so heavy. And I know she just left feeling like so depleted, so, so whatever. I'm not saying that's a good thing if that happened to me. But because of what I've learned and because of tithing and because of budgeting and because of taking over, God, having God sow into my finances, not me directing where it's going, becoming a steward like Devin, Devin said, if that happened to me, I would be angry. But I could slide my credit card in there and, 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 and be like, you know what? I have that emergency fund that I can take care of that because of the things I learned, because of tithing, because of budgeting, and because of inviting God into my finances. So good. That's so and, good. And, and so, Mike, you're saying, so you start tithing. You've got, I don't know if you mentioned the number, you were $40,000 in debt. So God does miracles in, in helping you to get out of debt. And then he changes your heart about stuff at the same time. It's like two miracles in one. Yes, and that's, I think that's, I, I know we're probably going over here, but... The bottom line is, I, and one thing I said earlier, maybe I said it earlier, I didn't say in this, this uh, session yet, but fast, when I was in debt, I was in doing medical sales. I'd had my own business prior to that, getting into it. So I always wanted to have another business. Right now, uh, five months ago, I opened up a restaurant. Um, I have a lot of family blood, starting with great, great, great grandparents that have restaurants, great, -grandpa great grandparents, grandparents and uncles, and I have cousins that have it. It's always been my blood. I'm a people person. I like networking. I'm a design person. I used to own a marketing company. I like designing spaces. So fast forward, whatever, when I got out of debt maybe eight years ago, 
like now I'm operating in all my passions. Like I thought I always knew what I wanted to do and could make my own decisions, but part of like changing my heart and, and just trusting God, like this whole progression of things. And I was saying in, uh, in early, the early, um, that every, every week since we opened, like it says, in, you know, God's promise is the symbol of the, the rainbow. Every week since we were open, the first like two months, every Thursday or Wednesday, it was like this weird rain in the summertime. And there I'd be like, guys, there's a rainbow, there's a rainbow. It was just like, to me, it was like God's promise saying, you trust me all back when? And I'm giving you exact, everything you wanted more now because you trusted me way so back good. then. And just the provision of him walking in his calling of what he's, his desires are, that's what God does. Is It's not just in your finances. And so today when we, when we close, I want to just um, take a minute to let you know, like, um, when, when Derek and I were, um, you know, 21, 23 years old, and we, we put all of our bills out on the table, and we didn't even have enough to cover the bills, and we decided, you know, are we going to tithe? And um, we decided, yes, we're going to tithe tithe because that was so important. We knew that, that we weren't going to go any further without tithing and without inviting God into our finances. And the Lord said to Derek, spoke to him and said, you're going to be short at the end of the month anyway. Do you want to be under my blessing short or do you want to be under your, your, your management short? We were like, okay, we're going to go with God's blessing on the shortness, you know. So that's what I want to talk to you today, uh, just, just pray with you today, um, because there's so much more that happens. There's so much more blessing that happens than just in your finances when you become a tither. And um, if you want to put away your notes and you can stand with me, we're going to close this morning in prayer. And I want to give um, you an opportunity to to trust God with your finances. Um, but before we get to that, you know, the Lord actually, it's all about your heart. Our finances are a result of what's going on in our heart. So I want to speak to you first about your heart today. Um, and if you'll just close your eyes and bow your heads, I, I just want to give um, each person here an opportunity to have some privacy. And, um, you know, because when you're dealing with, the, with your heart, you'd like to have some a, a moment to yourself, you know. And some of you, I know that the Lord has pricked your heart today and when we're talking about finances, but there's some here that might have, you've never even asked God into your finances, much less be the Lord of your life. So he more wants your heart than he does want your finances. And that's what we want. We want, you know, there's, there's financial freedom, but we want forever freedom for you. And that means giving your heart to Christ. And so if there's anybody here, I'm going to have you raise your hand in just a second, but Maybe you've never asked the Lord to be the Lord and Savior of your life and to put him at the helm and to, for him to be in charge of everything, not just your finances, but your heart, your mind, your life, your emotions, your will, everything. I want to give you that opportunity today to be able to say, I want Jesus to be the Lord and center of my life. So if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand right now. The Lord may be knocking on your heart, and I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This is the, this is the most important decision that you could ever make. I, I see your hand. Thank you. Thank, thank you. That is awesome. I, I just want to take another 10 seconds to say, you know, your, your heart may be pounding or, or racing or you feel that, you know. Let me just tell you, you're not promised tomorrow. This is your eternity. This is your forever freedom is just saying, Lord, I give you my heart. So if there is there's anybody else, and if you're watching online, we want to say there's no distance in prayer. You can raise your hand right there at home just as a sign of surrender. Is there anyone else? Okay, we're going to pray with these people. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand, buddy. Thanks. That's awesome. 
I want you to know that this is the most important decision, and we are we're, we want to say welcome to the family. So if you will all join us in prayer for these several people that have given their lives to Christ and changed their destiny, just repeat after me. Dear Lord, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I know that I need you because you paid my debt, and I thank you for that. I ask you to come into my heart. I claim you as my Lord and Savior, and I confess it with my mouth that you are my Lord. Now, Father, I thank you, Jesus, for those people who have just given their lives to Christ. I ask you to just welcome them into the family with open arms, Lord Jesus, and that they would feel your presence. And Lord, I, I want to ask the next group of people, I want to pray for the next group of people that you might need some breakthrough in your finances. And the Lord's been working on your heart today. has been just tapping at your heart. The, the, the Lord is a gentleman. He's not going to overtake anything. And he's just asking you to trust him with your finances and he, because he wants to show you how much you can trust him and pour out blessings. And so if that is you today, that you felt something triggered in your heart and you want to be able to take the next step and maybe become a tither or maybe even give more or maybe just uh, wrestle with this idea of giving and trusting all your finances to the Lord, I want you to raise your hand and just just as a sign of surrender that you're going to say, I'm, I'm willing to work on this. I know I need to work on this. Hands all over. It's awesome. And I want to pray for you. I want to transfer the anointing because one thing that this leadership in, in our church, all of our pastors, we all tithe. We believe in this. It is not just for our church like we mentioned before. It is for our finances. We're blessed in this area. We have a blessing. And so, Lord, I ask you right now that you would transfer the anointing, transfer the anointing of faith and trust on people's finances all across this room. Lord, they've, they, they raise their hand to show a sign of surrender, that they give you all their finances. They give you their trust. And, Father, I ask that you would just minister in this area in Jesus' name, that you would open the windows of heaven so greatly on them that they cannot contain it, not just in their finances, but I pray health and provision and unity in their relationships and family, family relationships mended in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We put you at the helm of everything, and we ask that you would give us financial freedom and breakthrough in the name of Jesus. And we give you the praise and the glory, and we give you, uh, ahead of time, we give you the praise and the glory for all the testimonies that are going to come from this. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, Nancy. Give the Lord a hand clap for what he's going to do in your finances. <laughs>